Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, May 9th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, law enforcement leaders are gathering to coordinate procedures for trafficking, community engagement, and mental health. Then, Mississippi's outgoing Speaker of the House shares his hopes for the state's legislative future. Plus, this week's History is Lunch looks at the defenders of the civil rights movement in Mississippi's courtrooms. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. And actually, it is May 10th. Prosecutors, as well as state and local law enforcement from across Mississippi, are participating in a public safety summit this week to discuss policing policy. The event is hosted by the offices of the governor, attorney general, and Department of Public Safety. Commissioner Sean Tyndall says they're discussing ways to address drugs, human trafficking, and mental health. He speaks with our Mike McEwen about the summit. When I was appointed to this position in 2020, I met with Governor Tay Reeves, um, and he really had three points of emphasis for me. One was to improve uh, driver services. Two uh, was to address the issues at the crime lab and the ME's office. And three was to improve relationships between state law enforcement and local law enforcement and kind of bridge that gap, if you will, that that had been around for a number of years and, and that I was aware of. Uh, due to my former work as a city prosecutor and, and an assistant DA. Um, so, you know, obviously we really worked hard on the driver services, and that's improved tremendously. We're making strides at the crime lab in ME's office. And in the last three years, uh, pursuant to the missions that he gave me, I was visiting with police chiefs association, sheriff's association, prosecutor association, coroner's association, and I've routinely gone to their annual meetings and met with all these different public safety sectors. Uh, what was readily apparent was that in Mississippi, we did not have a collective meeting where we tried to bring uh, all the first responders together uh, that fall under public safety uh, in Mississippi and try to have uh, a summit where we could talk about issues uh, that affect uh, public safety, uh, but also hear from experts in that field, uh, receive training, uh, leadership training, uh, and things of that nature for different agencies across the state. And so with House Bill 1020 going to effect this July, are you hoping that this summit in some way will help uh, ease into that transition with the changes that it's bringing? I don't know that it'll have an impact on that. Um, And that certainly wasn't any uh, nepotist for why 
we decided to do this. Uh, the plans to do this were before 1020 was even introduced. Uh, but, uh, you know, I go back to relationships with other agencies working uh, with each other and improving communications is always the best way uh, for law enforcement to operate. And, you know, when it comes to 1020 and Capitol Police and Hines County Sheriff's Office and the uh, Jackson Police Department, those agencies have been working together for years now. Um, and, and I'll say that those relationships are improving and uh, have continued to improve, and, and I think um, they, they will um, work well together in the years to come, in part, um, because some of the legislation in 1020 that requires the meetings uh, with those heads of those law enforcement agencies to come and discuss public issues. But notwithstanding that, uh, I do believe that once you get the politics out of public safety and, and the folks that are professionals in law enforcement can focus on doing their jobs, uh, it will make uh, the city of Jackson, Hines County, and the state of Mississippi safer. So this summit was co-hosted between your department, Governor Reeves, and A.G. Fitch. Are there any shared public safety concerns between the three of you? Mississippi's a law enforcement state, um, and, and you know you think about the citizens of Mississippi, they back their law enforcement. Uh, and all you have to do is look back to 2020 when there was protests going on across the country. Uh, Mississippi was relatively quiet when it came to a lot of those protests that were against police officers. We did have some. Uh, I was really proud of our law enforcement across the state because they, they were there for those protests and they were protecting not only the communities that, that they are hired from, but they were also protecting the rights of the protesters to, to protest their very existence as law enforcement officers. So um, I, I think our law enforcement across the state does a really good job. Uh, but this is an opportunity to come in and, and improve communications, uh, build relationships with other agencies, hear from some really situational uh, experts. We've got retired Navy SEALs coming in talking about leadership. Uh, we had uh, somebody from the uh, New York City um, Crime Center, Instant Crime Center, uh, come in and talk to us about some of the advances in technology, things that we need to be looking at as a state. Uh, we have an FBI behavioral analysis expert coming in to talk to our investigators about you know ways that they can improve their investigation utilize those techniques so so all of this is geared towards uh, improving public safety improving law enforcement but it doesn't stop there we also have representatives from uh, the state director of the uh, mississippi fire academy um, we have f uh, fire chiefs here um, and because they play a role in public safety too as well as emts um, so it's a really broad sector of public safety not just law enforcement how do you anticipate human resources being distributed with HB 1020 going to effect this July? From, from our standpoint, uh, we're at about 120 Capitol Police officers. Uh, we received the funding to go to 150, um, and we have the pens to go to 150. And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, as the district expands uh, going into 2024, uh, we'll need some additional pens and human resources to help cover the extra territory. But, but we're... Uh, building that force up right now, and Chief Lucky and his team are doing a great job. And could we just go back to the state medical examiner's office? Sure. Uh, could you speak a little bit about, I guess, the work you've been doing with them? Sure. Uh, so when we got here again in 2020, uh, there was a backlog of autopsy reports that hadn't been completed all the way back to 2011. Um, we're up to about 2019, I believe, on the backlog. 
Uh, currently, we have three medical examiners. We're recruiting two more to come to the state. Uh, and we've also hired a lot of contract medical examiners from other states that are helping us not only with our backlog, uh, but if we do get a lot of cases coming in, they're actually coming in and helping us with the autopsies that are being performed. So Dr. Stacy Turner uh, and her team have done a really good job uh, of, of advancing that office and, and, and looking at it from a problem-oriented uh, approach and trying to solve those problems. Sean Tyndall is commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Public Safety. Coming up, Mississippi's outgoing Speaker of the House shares his hopes for the state's legislative future. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi Speaker of the House Philip Gunn is ending his time in public office. In part three of a conversation with our Kobe Vance, Speaker Gunn shares his hopes for the state going forward. He also responds to the concerns raised by abortion rights advocates across the nation following the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade. Well, the day that the Dobbs decision came down, we held a press conference and immediately announced the formation of the Speaker's Commission on Life and uh, put nine House members on that committee, and we spent the last six months, or I should say the six months prior to the start of the 23 session, working on bills that would address the very things that you mentioned. We wanted to make sure that we provided care to women who were contemplating abortion, care to the children that they uh, hopefully will go forward and, and give birth to, care to women who find themselves with unplanned pregnancies. Um, we intensified our efforts to make sure that those types of comments and allegations that you just mentioned were not true. And as a result of that, here in the 23 session, I think I count 10 bills that we passed which are designed to support women and children who uh, go forward and have uh, birth, the women who go forward and have birth and the, women and, and the children that they give birth to, to make sure that they have the health care they need, this, the financial support, the, the, the emotional support. We have 37 pregnancy resource centers around the state that exist for that very purpose. We did tax credits for child care costs for supporting these pregnancy resource centers for uh, providing health care around the state. So we've stepped up to the plate. We are, we are not in a situation here where their help cannot be found. And we wanted to make sure that we gave that support to the women and children who previously might have contemplated abortion. Looking into the next session, I know you'll be stepping out of your role as speaker. What would be your advice to the body going into this upcoming year um, and your advice especially to the next speaker uh, who will, um, whether it be pro Speaker Pro Tem, Jason White, or somebody else? 
Well, I think we've got a good track record over the last 12 years that I hope they will use as a model to continue doing the things that, that we've been fighting for. The, the pro-family, pro-life record that we have is a good one, of which I'm proud. The education record that we have is a good one. We have seen significant monumental improvements in the arena of education. The budgeting practices that we've used, staying within our means, is one of the most important things that we did when we took over in 2012, was make a promise that we would not spend any more money than we have to spend. And so our, our financial condition in this state is the best that it's ever been. Uh, I would like to see the income tax eliminated. We, we made a huge stride last year when we did the largest tax cut in the state's history but we weren't able to get a, a full elimination. I think that's important. I'd like to see them continue to fight for that. We're in a good place in the House of Representatives. I think uh, I would like to think that, that I'm leaving it in, in, in good condition. I don't know that everybody would agree with that, but I think they are poised to move forward and do even greater things for the state of Mississippi. Are there any things that you would have preferred to have done or anything that you you know, we're hoping to see done during your time in office that you might not have been able to enact but would like to see in the future? Well, I, I mentioned the income tax. Um, I, I'm still proud of the fact that we got the largest tax cut in the history of the state. That does not need to be ignored or diminished. Many of the groups across the country that have looked at, at our state have recognized that and they've given us high marks for getting the largest tax cut in the history of the state. I do think elimination is preferable, and I would like to see, I wish we could have gotten that done while I was still the speaker, but all is not lost. They can continue to do that, and I think it's the right thing and a good thing for our citizens. Nothing better we could do to help our citizens from a financial standpoint than to let them keep more of their hard-earned money. And I think economic prosperity builds off of that. So I would like to see them continue to fight the fight for um, the the income tax elimination. But other than that, I, I think the, the things that we've done have been significant steps in the right direction in our state, and I'm proud of what we've accomplished. What would be your words to Mississippians who are or just the voters of Mississippi who are trying to look forward and picture what Mississippi could become? Well, as a Republican, I obviously think conservative values and conservative policies are the ones that are going to help us the most. Uh, again, I would just look at some of the successes that we've had because we have implemented conservative policies, uh, the best financial shape we've ever been in. We, and, I, and that's just not an opinion. I mean, you look at the revenues that are pouring in right now, we've been able to do a lot of things without doing a bond bill. We've not done a bond bill the last two years. That, that's a credit card, basically, on the taxpayers. We've been able to pay for everything. It's because we've implemented conservative spending policies. We've stayed within our means. We've seen education improvements unlike any before over the last 12 years. Uh, graduation rate has gone up to the national average. Our teachers' salaries now exceed uh, the, the southeastern average and the national average. The performance of our fourth graders was number one in the country two years ago. I mean, the educational achievements just, just go on and on. The income tax is a conservative policy. Um, the the, the pro-family values that I mentioned, the, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, all these things that, that I've mentioned, 
resulted because we've implemented conservative policies. And I, uh, so my message to the voters is if you want to see Mississippi continue to thrive, continue to succeed, and you like all of these accomplishments and all these achievements, then you need to contemplate conservative voting because these are the type of policies that have resulted in making Mississippi a, a much better place and a much stronger place. All these accomplishments have been done because we've used conservative mindsets, and that's what they need to vote for. Philip Gunn has served as Speaker of the House since 2012, and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. It's a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you so much. Coming up, this week's History is Lunch looks at the defenders of the civil rights movement in Mississippi courtrooms. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. In the 1950s, major events in the civil rights movement were taking place in Mississippi. Sit-ins, boycotts, marches, and protests. When demonstrators were arrested, a small band of three black lawyers became the next line of defense for those in the fight for civil rights. In his film, The Defenders, How Lawyers Protected the Movement, director Roderick Redd tells the story of these three men, plus the hundreds of lawyers and law students from across the country who saw what was happening and came to Mississippi to take up the fight. Red is the feature presenter at this week's History is Lunch. He shares more on the Defenders with our Michael Guidry. As we know, Mississippi's history indicates that it's uh, the civil was such a hot day of discrimination. It was probably, the, you know, the place for discrimination in the United States back then. And so, the, just the, you know, because of the because of what Mississippi was back then, um, it, it those numbers were always going to be kind of lopsided, right? You know, Mississippi's whole MO and kind of how structural racism was built was, uh, you know, kind of deny, um, you know, the, the minorities kind of use of the system. And so that's why you have so so little um, participating in it, like three lawyers, you know, three black lawyers, and then obviously, you know, um, oppress, you know, the minority. And that's why you had such a large numbers of those folks who were looking for representation or help or, you know, some kind of equality, you know, and so. I mean, that's kind of how you get, get those numbers around the top. But, um, yeah, it's a really fascinating story. And you said there are only three black lawyers willing to take up cases. That implies that there are other black lawyers in Mississippi that wouldn't take up these cases. Why Why the hesitancy? Why the reluctance to take on these cases? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it was pure. Uh, uh, it was pure. It was just without a fear, you know, and out of self-preservation. Uh, you know, once you kind of climb the ladder to be, you know, to be a lawyer back then in those times, especially a black lawyer, was something to be said and something, you know, it was very remarkable. And, you know, these guys were taking, you know, a very uh, inherent risk. Those three black lawyers, you know, Argent Brown, Crossy Hall, and, and Jack Young, um, those guys were, you know, taking risks. I mean, they had their lives threatened on a regular basis. 
you know, um, you know, they had to walk around with their degrees on them all the time. So people, because some most people wouldn't believe they were actually lawyers, you know, and um, you know, it was dangerous to be, you know, defending those folks out here. So uh, most folks probably found out that it wasn't worth, uh, you know, the and it also wasn't lucrative either. Uh, so and defending poor people in Mississippi as well. Uh, but, you know, eventually Mississippi received a lot of help from a lot of outside groups. Um, the, 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 uh, the NAACP, uh, the Legal Defense Fund, um, just a lot of other organizations all around the country who are coming here to kind of fight for uh, rights for those black folks, kind of back up those three lawyers. And, uh, and all those things have to run through those three lawyers because Mississippi, you just that. You know, you can only have a Mississippi lawyer, you know, in your courtroom uh, and sign off on your paperwork. And so uh, those three lawyers stay busy always jumping on the pleadings of the cases with the other organizations and some of the folks get through uh, the trying legal times. And the film is The Defenders, How Lawyers Protected the, the Movement, um, the civil rights movement, by and large known as a civil disobedience movement, uh, a movement um, for rights, but you know, in lots of ways, uh, uh, fought through through the system. So, how important was it for a movement, you know, centered on securing and protecting uh, the rights of of Black Americans for that representation in the in the justice system, protecting these these leaders of the movement? How, how important was that, and and especially that it be done, I guess, so public facingly, so that the movement was seen both in the streets and in the courtroom. Uh, uh, as this, you know, legitimate thing. Yeah, we talk about it in the film a lot too. Though, you know, the most important thing to the movement were those people who kind of who protested and risked their lives. Those are the, the front line workers, but you know, right behind those folks uh, were the lawyers. Because when you went out and you protested, you know, you got arrested. <laughs> and so, you know, is it, who who were the people that went and got those people out of jail? You know, who were those people who represented them in the courtrooms? And who could win those cases that would, you know, set those um, those fundamental rights, you know, in order right there? Those were the lawyers, and so you know they kind of ran the protesters and the and the firearm and the movement kind of, you know, uh, ran parallel with the uh, lawyers who had uh, who had uh, just you know important work, not as important or but not as important as frontline workers, but you know, arguably you know very necessary because both were dangerous and. Both were needed, and it was a, it was a way we could they could help out uh, and, and participate in that system, you know. And it was important to them to kind of participate in that system, you know, and, and use it to their advantage because you know, they, you know, they said in the documentary, we're a nation of laws, and so you know, the only way you're going to get you know equal justice under the law is that you change the law, but you show the law, you hold you know, you hold the law up to its you know its highest ideals, and so. That's what those lawyers did. It, they protect those folks on the front line, and, and they were the logical next step to being there to kind of help get folks out of jail or, or get them set up to be able to, you know, fight another day in this, in this uh, state. You use a lot of you know, primary film footage. Kind of what was the process of, of securing that, uh, curating it, and, and putting it together to, to piece this narrative uh, that you do in The Defenders? Yeah, you know, we um, you know we work closely with the Mississippi Department of Archives and History uh, to be able to make this documentary happen. You know, it was uh, partially funded by the Foundation for Mississippi History, which is uh, 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 board members of uh, 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 you know some of the board members of the archives, the uh, Mississippi Archives, and so uh, 
because this was a project that we all partnered, partnered on, uh, we got access to the archives and we got to use a lot of the primary uh, archives, especially the WLBT archives, which is great. And, you know, having the TV station in Jackson that old, that was around back then was, was extremely helpful. And they've donated their, their full archives to the, uh, you know, the Department of Archives and History, which is great for us. So uh, it, was a, it was a tremendous tool for us to be able to look back at that footage and find all the images of those three lawyers and, and some of those cases and kind of being able to look back on how Jackson was back then and, you know, and even see courtroom cases and people fight through things. It was great um, to be able to utilize that footage. I think it was important to really showcase, you know, the seriousness of what we had going on. Well, I hope it goes well. I'm sure there's lots and lots to share. Roderick Red, Defender of the Defenders. Uh, presenting today at the two Mississippi Museums History is Lunch. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing a little bit about this project, about your process, and about the story that you're trying to tell. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.